Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Great to be with you. Great to see you. Thank you to those joining us online as well. And uh, yeah, as Francis said, um, start of a new series, sit at his feet. And actually, I think, uh, I think this ser- series is very timely for us, a very timely series. It's certainly what we as a team of leaders, what we felt God speaking to us about, simplicity and prioritizing being with Jesus, which of course is something that's important all the time through our whole lives, our whole Christian lives. But I think it's particularly significant for us right now to focus on this right now as we've come out of, and we're still coming out of, a very disorientating time that's affected people in lots of different ways. And we, we've still got many questions about the shape of things ahead. So I, I have lots of questions in my head all the time about how the, you know, we're going to shape various aspects of church life going forward. They're just there all the time. And often those questions preoccupy me. You know, they're really kind of a, <laughs> playing on my, my mind, preoccupy me, because I'm the kind of person, my personality type, I like to have clarity of vision. I want to see what's happening next. And that's not always possible. But here's the thing. God knows all the questions that I have in my head. He knows them all. And he knows all the questions that you may have about, about different things. And he is, in the midst of all that, he is drawing us here to this place to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what he's calling us to do. And I trust that this series will help us to do that. And not only on a Sunday morning, uh, but also through our whole lives, through the week, uh, with others and on our own. That's really, really important. So the aim each week is to focus on a different aspect of Jesus, of who Jesus is, his nature, his, his character. And it's almost like painting a picture, a great big picture, of Jesus for us to look at and spend time gazing at and, and, and learning from and seeing the details of. With each week of the series, like adding another layer of colour and another layer of dimension, another layer of detail to that picture. So just building up this picture, knowing this picture will never be complete. There's too much. We can, cannot we're not possibly ever cover uh, everything there is to know about Jesus, but we're painting this picture for us to look at, and we're also going to be suggesting some very simple practices that we can all try, that we can all do outside of Sunday mornings to help us to focus on on Jesus and spend time sitting at his feet. Uh, But in introducing the series today, I'm not focusing on a particular aspect of Jesus, I'm more focused on why, why this is so important for us at the moment, and uh, so we're going to kick off with the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, and you're going to be doing some of the work. So, uh, if you have a Bible, please do open it to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. So it's a very short passage. But also, I need a volunteer who is happy to come and read through the microphone, read this scripture for all of us from the screen. Okay, so while you're opening your Bibles, who would like to come and read from the screen? Who's brave? Thank you, Jonathan. Okay. Right. So we're going to read from the NIV version first, but if you have your Bibles, please do open them. Luke 10, 38 42. You need the microphone, Jonathan. Otherwise, nobody will hear you. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go for it. As Jesus. It's coming. Hang on. Okay. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, 
Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Brilliant. Thank you, Jonathan. Let's uh, appreciate Jonathan. Okay. So hopefully, that, it's a very short passage. It's, it's quite easy to get in our heads, but we're going to read it again, but this time from a different version. We're going to read it from the message version. So again, I need another volunteer, preferably a female voice this time, to come and read from the message. Who's going to do it? Come on. Come on. Yes, thank you very much. Okay. Okay, so this is Linda. Linda's going to read from the message version. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you are fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main cause, and won't be t- and won't be taken from her. Fantastic! Thank you so much. Get back there. That's a brave thing to do. Thank you very, very much. I don't know something about your accent just gives scripture even more authority. There's just something about that. Fantastic. Thank you for reading it so beautifully. Right. I'm going to ask you now to discuss a few things, to think and discuss a couple of questions. First is, what stands out to you from the passage? But the main questions I want you to focus on is this. What does it teach us about God, what we've just read and what we've just heard? What does it teach us about God, and what does it teach us about people, about us? Now, I'm going to ask you to discuss this together. Now, I'm aware, of course, some of you might not feel comfortable doing that. There are ways you can adopt to make it very clear to those around you that you really don't want to discuss just, I've got a look which I've developed just like this. Just kind of look straight ahead or look at your phone. Really study this passage intently, okay? And then people around you will realize, oh, I don't think that person really wants, but that's fine. So, but for those who are happy to, why don't you find somebody around you, one or two people around you, and just discuss those questions just for a couple of minutes, and then I'll ask for a little bit of feedback. Online, you've got those questions on the screen. And uh, why don't you put in the chat, you know, drop a note in the chat saying, well, what do you learn about Jesus Uh, in this passage what do you learn about yourself in this passage okay and we'll see what people come up with so we'll just have a little bit of a break
Okay, and if you haven't quite got to the second or the third question there yet, maybe switch to that. What does it teach us about ourselves? Just another minute. Okay, let's, uh, let's draw the conversation to a close. I'm sure there's lots more that you could say. Uh, let's just have a little bit of feedback. So just a couple of people on that question about, you know, what does it teach us about God? Who's go- you have to, you're going to have to shout, and I will repeat what is said. But who's got any thoughts? What does it teach us about God? Just shout out. Be brave. Oh, James has got something, have you? God's got different priorities to us. Yeah, absolutely. Our priorities and God's priorities are not always lined up. Absolutely, yeah, thank you. Anyone else, what it teaches us about God? Yeah, he wants us to focus on him. It's very clear, isn't it, from that passage, Jesus wants us to focus on him. That's, That's where our focus is to be. Heather. Oh, Heather, you've just... Have you read... We are human beings, not human doings. Absolutely. That's a Selwyn Hughes line, isn't it, I think? I heard somebody say that recently. So, so, yeah, we're human beings made to be with Jesus, not human doings. Absolutely. Yeah, it's relational, isn't it? Absolutely. He wants a relationship with us. You know, it's very, very personal, this. Absolutely. What, okay, what does it teach about us? And obviously some of that stuff's already come out. What does it teach us about ourselves? Just a couple of things. We get so easily distracted by many things. Yeah. One more. Say again. Yeah. We can, uh, we can become very critical of other people. We can judge very easily, can't we, what other people are doing. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Like I said, I might as well just sit down now. You've done it for me. You've preached, preached my sermon. But no, as ever, I do have some things to say. And I am going to share them with you. Um, but thank you, thank you for, for discussing, thank you for thinking about that. I, I think it's very easy for us to read this story. It's a very familiar story to us, it's a very short passage. I think it's very easy for us to read it as Martha's doing the wrong thing and Mary is doing right. But of course it's, it's not quite that simple because Martha is doing a good thing. Let's not miss that. This isn't the case of Martha's the baddie in the story at all. Martha's doing a good thing. She's showing hospitality. That's really good. She wants to look after Jesus and his disciples, they're her guests. It's a culturally appropriate way for her to show love and to show welcome and to, to, to look after them, to show affection for them. And it would be culturally expected of her as well to prepare a meal for the honoured guests. And we need Marthas. We need people who know how to get stuff done. We, we need them. And there is a rebuke for her from Jesus, but it's a very gentle rebuke. It's not harsh in the slightest. It's very gentle. It's very tender. He says, Martha, Martha. 
And that repetition of her name is significant. It's, it's like when God said to Moses in the Old Testament, he said, Moses, Moses. Or in the temple with the young boy, Samuel, when he woke up from the dream, Samuel, Samuel. And it's not because they didn't hear him the first time. It's a, a Hebrew, in Hebrew, it's a sign of affection to repeat the name. So Martha, Martha, that's why the message version that we just read translates it as Martha, dear Martha. He is speaking very tenderly to her as he explains to her why he's not going to tell Mary to go and help her. Um, and he says, Martha, you are worried and upset about many, many things. And it's like Jesus can see beyond the activity itself to what's really behind the activity, what's, what's at the root of the activity, what the, the motivation is or the, or the mixed uh, motivation is. You know, Martha wants to prepare this great meal for her guests. That's good. That's a really good motive. I want to look after my guests. But maybe Jesus sees us a bit more to it for Martha. Maybe there's a, some sort of sense of self-worth, significance, identity that she finds in this role of preparing the meal and being the cook and, 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 and you know, producing this great meal. Who knows? We don't really know. But Jesus sees something in her. And he says, you are worried and upset about many things, but Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better. And one of the reasons for Martha's agitation is not just because she's annoyed at Mary for not helping her. One of the reasons for her agitation and her appeal to Jesus to do something about this is that Mary is acting in a culturally very inappropriate way. Because effectively Mary is, is behaving as if she were a man. Okay, So let's remember we're, we're looking at a culture here which is in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. It's a very different culture to what we see. So Mary at the moment, she's in very what is very much a male space in the house, where Jesus and his disciples are, and Mary shouldn't really be there culturally. But not, not only that, she's, sit, she's not just sitting in the room with them, she is sitting at Jesus' feet. She is sitting at the feet of the teacher, the, the, the rabbi, listening to him, learning from him. Again, traditionally, that is a male role. That is where a man would be sitting in, in that culture. You know, listening to the rabbi, learning from him, probably with a view to themselves becoming a rabbi at some point in the future. So Mary's actually behaving in culturally a very inappropriate way. Martha is agitated by this. And she, 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 she thinks Jesus should be agitated by this as well. Tell her. Tell her to come and help me. And we don't know what the other disciples think. We don't know what their response is. It doesn't tell us. But what it certainly does show us, this passage is that Jesus absolutely affirms her right to be there at his feet. And not only her right to be there, but her choice to be there. Even when there was plenty for her to be getting on with, there was plenty to distract her, she's chosen what is better in that moment. Jesus is in her house. She's chosen what is better, to sit at his feet, to listen to him, to learn from him, to gaze upon him. So this is really a story about distraction and priorities. It's distraction and priorities. Martha is distracted by all the, all the things she's got to do, as worthy and as good as those things are. And these are things she is doing for Jesus. She's doing this for Jesus, but what the reality is, is it's distracting her from Jesus. What she's doing for Jesus is distracting her from Jesus. How easily does that happen to us? How easily can we say the same thing? But also she's trying to distract Mary from Jesus in the process, hence the gentle rebuke that comes but Mary is prioritizing being with Jesus ahead of everything else, and Jesus commends her for it. Now, Jesus isn't saying that you should never be busy. 
and you, that you should never be busy with good things. It's really a question of what occupies our attention, what holds our gaze, what occupies our focus, or what distracts us from that. It's about what we prioritize, about what our actions are really motivated by. And listen, I know as well as anybody else, and actually probably better than most, I know how all my activities for Jesus and for the church can distract me from Jesus and can be done with very mixed motives as well. You know, pride can always be there lurking in the background. So, you know, I know so often, so often in my life, activity has robbed me of intimacy with Jesus. And that's when I run dry. When I've been letting activity rob me of intimacy, that is when I run dry. And I've experienced that very recently. But Jesus shows us a different way. He shows us actually true service for him, true service for Christ, following Jesus, being a disciple, is not primarily about what we, in all of our busyness, what we can give to him. It's first and foremost about receiving what he delights to give us. That's the Christian life. It's first of all about receiving from him before we can give anything out. We can't give what we don't have. It's about doing, flowing out of our being flowing out of our being with Jesus, so that our activity in life flows from that deep inner life with God. I'm just going to read this quote from this book, Gentle and Lowly. We've highlighted this a number of times already. I'm sure many of you have read it. If you haven't, get hold of it. It really does bring your focus onto Jesus. Here's something that it says. It says, there are two ways to live the Christian life. You can live it either for the heart of Christ, you know, to get the heart of Christ, to earn the heart of Christ, or from the heart of Christ. You can live for the smile of God or from it. For a new identity as a son or daughter of God or from it. For your union with Christ or from it. The battle of the Christian life is to bring your own heart into alignment with Christ's. That is getting up each morning and replacing your natural orphan mindset with a mindset of full and free adoption into the family of God through the work of Christ, your older brother, who loved you and gave himself for you out of the overflowing fullness of his gracious heart. How do we get that mindset? How do we get that kind of adoption mindset of you know, that knowing I am adopted, I'm an adopted son, I am loved, I am forgiven. How do we get that mindset? We get it by prioritizing being with Jesus before doing for him. Not instead of doing but prioritizing intimacy with him and finding our identity in him and being captivated by him. And that's what we see, that's the pattern we see throughout Jesus' uh, ministry. He himself prioritized being with his father. He, he would often find quiet, secluded places to be alone with his father. His doing, and his doing was in, immense, but his doing didn't exceed his being. He required his disciples to first of all be with him. They spent three years with him observing him, learning from him, before he sent them out to do ministry for him. In Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John are standing up to the Jewish religious leaders, it says that when, when, they, when the, the leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized these are just unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They weren't acting out of their own strength. It was the strength and the power and the, the wisdom of Jesus flowing through them. Why? Because they had been with him. Because they had spent time in his presence. And we have Mary, who chooses to sit at Jesus' feet. And she prioritizes it. Why? I guess because she's never met anybody like this before. 
She's never met anyone like this man before. The depths of wisdom and the depth of love and compassion and humility and strength and glory that she must have seen in Jesus. And she doesn't have the full picture of who he is yet. She doesn't know that this is God. This is the Son of God. Mary doesn't have that revelation yet, but she is so drawn to him. She's captivated by him. Are you? Are you captivated by Jesus? And I have to, you know, I will freely admit that for much of my life, I am not. For much of my life, I am not captivated by Jesus. I'm not speaking to you as somebody who's got this and this is all, you know, mastered this. And no, I've got a long way to go and I will have for the rest of my life. So I'm speaking as much to myself here as to anybody else. In fact, after today, I am deliberately not preaching the rest of this series because I am so conscious of how much I need this myself. I need to sit at Jesus' feet. I need to spend more time focused on being with Jesus before all the doing and all the activity for him. So why do we find it difficult to prioritize this? I suspect that for many of us, we we don't prioritize time with Jesus, not because we don't think he's important, but we don't prioritize time with Jesus simply because we don't really know how to do it. We, we hear Christians talk about, oh yeah, you know, your quiet time, or time, time with Jesus, and you think, I, I just don't really know how to do that. So again, we want to suggest some things, but maybe it's also that you're worried that you won't encounter Jesus in whatever you're doing. We, you won't get the results that you, that you hope for or that you expect, and so you avoid it because you want to avoid that sense of disappointment. Or, or a sense of failure, or maybe you have tried some different things. Maybe there's a time in the past where you've, you know, you've kind of got the bit between your teeth, you've thought, right, I am really going to go for this, I'm going to work on my relationship with Jesus, but whatever you've tried, it, it just doesn't seem to have worked, and so you've given up after five minutes, because we live in a culture that demands instant results. Increasingly, it's all about instant, instant gratification, but intimacy never works like that. I mean, yeah, sure, you can have moments of intimacy, but, but, but intimacy, true, lasting intimacy is never instant. It takes time. It takes perseverance. I mean, I've been married to Suzanne, my wife Suzanne, for over 20 years, and we're still trying to work each other out. It's just like that. It takes time. It, it, it takes perseverance. So as I said before, we're going to suggest a few simple practices, very simple practices or spiritual disciplines across this series to try on our own but also to try in our small groups and together with others, knowing that spiritual disciplines, these practices are not how you earn God's love. It's not about earning something from God. It's how you enjoy God's love. But it does take time, and it means prioritizing the presence of Jesus. And of course, there's so much that can distract us from that. There's so much stuff, whether it's ministry for Jesus, stuff we do for Jesus, or whether it's just the stuff we fill our lives with. I mean, I don't know if you remember when that first lockdown hit back in March 2020, and suddenly for a lot of people, it was like discovering a new pace, a new slower pace. You know, there was no more commute. There was, you know, it's not my memory of it, I have to be honest. It didn't feel like anything slowed down. I just kind of went into overdrive. But, but for a lot of people, it was. It was like, oh, we, you know, we must never go back to how it was before. We must never go back to that pace of life. Well, listen, I would suggest that we haven't just gone back. We've gone beyond that many, many lives now are more disordered and more chaotic and more unsustainably busy than ever before. We've gone back to something far worse than before. We're also consuming more and more media than we have ever consumed before. There's just this bombardment of information and opinion, much of which is utter rubbish, utter garbage. 
and yet we mindlessly allow it to be absorbed. We absorb a worldview, an agenda that is being pushed towards us by the world, and we mindlessly absorb it, a worldview that's in direct opposition to a Christian worldview. And something has to give. We can't keep doing that. Something has to give. The sad thing is that too many Christians decide, probably not consciously decide, but implicitly decide that the thing that has to give is their relationship with Jesus. The very thing that should be the top priority becomes the lowest priority, and then we wonder why God feels so distant. Now, I know for some people, the stage of life, the season of life you're in right now just means that life is busy. And it is frenetic, and there's just no escaping from it. There are seasons we go through in life that are like that. I've been through those when the kids were a lot younger. And so for some of you, that is just the situation. I want you to know you've got to be gracious to yourself. This isn't about condemning anybody. You've got to be gracious to yourself. Try and find some space. Try and find some margin in your life, but don't beat yourself up if you can't. It's just the season that you're in. But for many of us, maybe there are some behaviors that we've developed in our lives that are simply not compatible with being a follower of Jesus. We have filled our lives with too much stuff. And some of it really good stuff. It's not all bad. Some of it is really good stuff. But it's just crowding everything out. And some of it isn't very good. You know, so maybe for you it is that mindlessly scrolling through social media for hour upon hour, watching the next video that comes up, watching the next thing that comes on your feed. Or it might be other whole range of other things that we fill our lives with. We've got to be able to challenge ourselves on some of this. We've got to challenge ourselves and question, why do we have this insatiable appetite for all this stuff packing it into our lives? Why do we have this insatiable appetite for media and information? And does it help us or does it hinder us in our walk with Jesus? And if it hinders us, hinders us in that, why is it still in our lives? We've got to challenge ourselves, look at our lives and think, what is getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus? And is this thing that I'm doing, is this healthy for me? You know, if watching the next episode of a Netflix series and it's like the fourth in a row that you've watched because you've just binge watching it, if that next episode sends you to bed so late that you can't get up early enough in the morning to just have a little bit of time with Jesus at the start of your day, that's a problem for a follower of Jesus, I think. I think that's a problem. Again, I speak to you as somebody who's done that on more than one occasion. I think that's a problem. It comes down to priorities. It all comes down to priorities. We prioritize in our lives what is important to us. So I remember hearing someone use the example of when they went on a family picnic. And um, they, they had this enormous great cool box that had all the food and all the drink in it, which are obviously essential elements for a picnic. The food and drink is kind of the center of it. So they had this great big cool box. And then there was a load, load of other stuff that they would want to take. They took blankets and chairs and games and water pistols, whatever it was, you know, loads of stuff that was important, some stuff that was nice to have, but it wasn't any of it as essential as the cool box. The problem was, if you stuck all the other stuff in the boot of the car first, you couldn't fit the cool box in. You lost the essential element of the picnic. So what they had to do was make sure what goes in first, the cool box goes in, right in the middle of the boot, goes in first, and then you pack around the edges of the cool box all the other stuff. And it might be that some things have to be left behind because there's simply not space for it. But get the cool box in first. Now, I would suggest the cool box of the Christian life, the most essential part of being a follower of Jesus is time with Jesus, as it is in any relationship. Time with Jesus, sitting at his feet. We've got to prioritize it. And not as a duty, 
Duty, again, comes back to earning something from God. We so easily slip into that trap of, I've got to tick off my quiet time. I've got to tick, and it becomes duty. No, no, no. It's not about duty. It's about delight. Delight to spend time with the most captivating, the most loving, the most compassionate person in the universe. The one who didn't just give us a portion of his time or a portion of his life. He gave everything to us, even unto death on a cross. He gave his blood. He gave his whole life for us. The question is, do you desire to be with Jesus? Do you desire more time with Jesus to grow closer to Jesus? And if the answer to that is yes, then you've got to let that desire trump other desires. We have so many competing desires in our life, but that's got to be the most important one. And so let that desire, if it's there, lead you into discipline. And then as you persevere with those disciplines, discipline will turn to delight. Desire discipline and delight as you come to know him and you come to grow closer to him and you develop an intimacy of relationship with him get the cool box in the boot first and let all the other stuff of life fit around it and then maybe there are some things you just have to lose and they just have to go from your life so here's my suggestion I said we'd give you some very simple practice here's my suggestion for this week of a very simple practice to focus on And it's simply this, it's to set aside some times through the week to just be silent. Just silent, with no agenda, away from distractions and alone with Jesus. Whether that's five minutes, whether it's ten minutes, whether it's twenty minutes, whatever you feel that you can do. And by the way, you can find out more about that, that practice of silence and a whole load of other practices on a page that we're building on our website. It's not complete yet. There are still some things to fill in, but the one about silence is there. So I'd recommend you go to this page. It's, it's at forward slash practices. So kchw.co.uk forward slash practices. This is going to be a really helpful resource for us throughout this series and beyond the series. But where and when can you find those times to be silent and free from distractions, free from the noise that we're normally bombarded with? Get those times in your diary. Otherwise, it won't happen. Diarise it, put it in your diary, prioritise it, get the cool box in the boot first. So this is my encouragement to us. As we embark on this journey together, let us prioritise sitting at Jesus' feet. Looking at him, learning from him, listening to him, cutting out distractions wherever we can, reordering our lives around him, focusing on being before doing. And let us not be a people who pursue the activity of the kingdom while forsaking the king. Because what is a kingdom without a king it happens so often so many times you know these last couple of years particularly where you busy 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 and then you look around and think I thought Jesus was with me where's he gone we mustn't forsake the king at the expense uh, you know as a cost of all of our activity let us not forsake our first love Jesus but start with the king at the center and let our activity flow out of that deep inner life with God Jesus said to Martha, and remember, this is God himself speaking, so we need to listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said, and Jesus knows how busy you are. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows your worries. He knows the things that distract you. Jesus said to Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is required. Just one thing is required. And Mary has chosen what is better. So let us do the same. Amen? Amen. Amen.